journey with Jesus each and every day. Uh, it's the basics. Uh, it's the fundamentals of Christianity, the fundamentals of being a Christian and what that looks like. And we all need to be reminded of these things from time to time. Uh, it's important. But also, if you're a new follower of Jesus Christ, it's also important that you know these things and that you are taught these things uh, so that they will become the natural rhythm uh, of your life as you journey with Jesus in the days ahead. So in week one, uh, just kind of in summary, what we talked about, we talked about salvation in week number one. Uh, and that is the most basic principle of Christianity is that you would be saved, that you would come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life, and you've surrendered your life, your will, and your plan to Him. Uh, and if you have any questions about whether you were saved or not, and you weren't here the Sunday we looked at that, I encourage you, go to our website, listen to that message uh, on salvation. Uh, also, it's available on podcast if you do that. But if you don't feel like you've done anything else right in your life, this is something that you need to get right. The most important thing in your life is that you would be saved and know Jesus Christ as your Savior and spend eternity with Him. So we want to make sure you know that, know how to do that, uh, and, and get that right. Week two, we looked at the importance of reading the Bible. We talked about how the Bible isn't just a textbook to be learned, uh, but it's important that we read it because it's God's way of helping us understand who He is. We get to know Him better. We get, need to, we get to know Him at a deeper level in and through His Word. And when we understand who God is to us, uh, you will see that His Word is more than just a textbook, but it becomes more like a beautiful love letter that He's written to His kids so that we might know Him better and get to know Him at a more personal level. level. And then last week, we talked about prayer. The basic fundamental things of being in a relationship with Christ is that we can access the throne of God in prayer. We have access to Him uh, every day, any day, in every moment, in every situation. So last week we learned what prayer is supposed to look like. Uh, Jesus taught us what it's not supposed to look like. But then we also learned what it's supposed to look like. And also we talked about why people struggle with having a meaningful prayer life with their Heavenly Father. Prayer is what connects us to the great power of God. And there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians today that are powerless because they're prayerless. And so if any of these things, any of these areas are something that you may struggle with or find you may need some help with or want to understand a little better, again, I encourage you to go to our website and listen to those messages uh, over the past few weeks. But today we're going to look at another essential part of our faith and that's the command to Christians to make disciples. And we are to make disciples, making disciples as a Christian, making disciples as the church is something that we have to do well. It's something that we must do, and not only must we do it, this is something that we must do well, because unless we're doing this, everything else that we're doing is really useless. If we're honest about it, no matter how good we are at everything else, if we don't do this well, then we're, fe we're failing at the commission and the command that God has given us as followers of Jesus Christ. You know what? We can raise a lot of money. We can build a lot of nice, fancy new buildings and 
and we can have great music, and we can have, you know, the biggest children's ministry in our community. We can have awesome student uh, ministries, but if we don't make disciples, we have failed. If, we de- if we're not making disciples, we have failed as a church. And so this week, what I want to do is I'm going to show you, I want to help you to see your role in this mission that we have been given to go and make disciples. And I want to remind you today, if you've been doing it for a long time, of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples. Or if you're new to the faith, or maybe uh, it's never really been explained to you very well, maybe today we would be able to help you to discover what your role is in the mission of God, which is referred to as the Great Commission. And so it's been given to you, this commission, to go and make disciples. And so we're going to spend a few minutes first today uh, by seeing that discipleship is at the core of the Great Commission, both for us as a church, but don't miss this, it's not just a command that was given to a church, it's going to be a command that you're going to see was given to you personally. All right, it's easy for us to go, oh, that's why we pay the staff. That's why we pay the preacher. That's their job that we would make disciples. Well, I believe you're going to see this morning that it, it's your job uh, as well to make disciples. And, we're gonna, and then we're going to get into some practical ways uh, like we have each week in talking about what that looks like and how to do it uh, as we get back to the basics of discipleship. That sounds good to you this morning. Wake up and say amen. amen. All right, so let's dig in here. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verse 19 and 20 today. We'll see that making disciples is the basic mission for every follower of Jesus, the mission for every Christian. Jesus says this in verse 19. He says, Go. Go. So where, does, where, so where are we making disciples? Huh? He says, go and make disciples. So everywhere we go, we're to make disciples, right? It's not just here. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so Jesus gives us a basic outline here for this command that he gives us to go and make disciples. He says, go. He says, baptize. And he says, teach. Right? When I was going through the course of studies that's required to become a minister in the church of the Nazarene, one of the courses that I got to take while I was going through that journey was one on um, discipleship. Making Disciples. Uh, And the textbook that we used was a book that was written in 1960. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pick up a book or I'm I'm given a book, the first thing I do is is look and see when it was written. And you hand me a book that was probably written in the 60s. I've got a, I'll be perfectly honest with you, coming up with Our staff jokes about my pile of books because people will often bring me books and they'll say, you need to read this, you need to read this, or you know, I'll get a book, and I'll be like, so I've got a pile, and so I just take them from the top down, you know. And if you hand me a book from the 1960s, I promise you it's probably going to go down on the bottom. Uh, but this, this is a great book. 
uh, and I've referred back to it many times. Uh, it was written by a man named Robert Coleman called The Master Plan of Evangelism. Uh, and so as we go through this today and we talk about this command that we have to go and make disciples, I, I want to use some of his quotes from that book that I believe will help us understand it a little better. Uh, help me to be able to explain it a little better. At least it has been a help to me. But Coleman writes this about the Great Commission. He says, The Great Commission is not merely to go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, nor to baptize a lot of converts into the name of the triune God, nor to teach them the precepts of Christ. But it's to make disciples. To build men and women like themselves who, are so, who were so constrained by the commission of Christ that they not only followed Jesus themselves, but they led others to follow him too. I love that. Our commission is to bring other people along so that they would follow him as well. And then he said this, and this was so good. He says, the criteria upon which any church should measure its success is not how many new names are added to the role of membership, nor how much the budget is increased, but rather by how many Christians are actively winning souls and training them to win the multitudes. I love this, and I am so proud to be a part of the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm proud of the Church of the Nazarene for the emphasis that they put on this command that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples. Uh, everything that you will see that comes out of the Church of the Nazarene denomination, you will see this statement somewhere in there, that we are a called people to go and make disciples. But here's the sad truth. Most churches today are measuring their success by how many people attend their church. Most people today measure their success by how big uh, their budget is. And honestly, pastors are the worst at this, right? We judge our worth. We judge our value. And sometimes a, a church board uh, or leadership in the church will judge the pastor on how many people are coming and how big the budget is. And so as pastors, sometimes we fall into this trap wanting to know, you know, how many people are showing up and how much the offering is any week. But can I just be brutally honest with you today? The Bible doesn't say one thing about heaven celebrating how many people are on our church membership row. The, the Bible doesn't say one thing about celebrating how much money we can bring in as a, as a congregation. The Bible only speaks to heaven celebrating people who come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what heaven is celebrating today is when we get this right and we make disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Did you know that the word Christian actually only appears in the Bible three times? Three times the word Christian is found in Scripture. But the word disciple appears 281 times in the New Testament alone. Folks, disciples are what is important to God. 
is that we would be disciples and make disciples. And yes, we're going to celebrate conversions. I love to celebrate conversions, and that simply means that people are being saved. It means people are being converted from a life of sin and a life of death to becoming a child of God and trusting Jesus as their personal Savior. This is conversion that we speak to when people are saved. But don't miss this. A true conversion... A true salvation, a real conversion, a real salvation leads to lifelong discipleship. Amen? True conversion leads to a lifelong discipleship, which means this, that you go on to pursue Jesus for the rest of your life doing what he has commanded us to do. And I'm not saying today, I don't want you to get me wrong, because we celebrate numbers around the church. And so I, I don't want you to get me wrong today to say, think that I'm saying I'm, I'm against counting numbers, because I've said it before, every number has a name and every name has a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. So yes, numbers are important. And we're going to count people because people are important. They're going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. So we need to make sure that we're counting and that we're, we're counting the right things. And this priority on making disciples is not just something that we need to prioritize as a church. It's not just something that the church needs to make a priority. It's something that every single one of us needs to make a priority in our life as well. Every follower of Jesus has been given the call. Every follower of Jesus has been given the command to go and make disciples. Because here's the deal. Sometimes people read this great commission here that we find in Matthew's gospel here in chapter 28. And they read this commission and they read what Jesus says and they says, well, you know what, that command, hey, he was giving that command to the apostles. I mean, he's speaking specifically here to the church leaders. He, he's speaking to the people who are ordained to do ministry. He's speaking to, to those guys. But I want you to look at this and think about this. Jesus says here to them to do what? He says, teach them everything that I have commanded. Teach them everything. That Jesus has commanded. Well, all the things that Jesus commanded included what? This command to go and make disciples, right? And, and so Jesus didn't say, teach them all I have commanded except for this command to make disciples, right? You just give that one to the people who have been ordained and properly trained to do it. You just give that to them because that's their responsibility to go and make disciples. No, everyone who follows Jesus is to be a disciple maker. And so the question here for this, this morning, and I'll just be blunt, are you making disciples? Are you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are you a disciple maker? Are you making disciples? Coleman goes on to say in his book, when will the church learn this lesson? Preaching to the masses, although necessary, will never suffice in the work of preparing leaders for evangelism. Nor can occasional prayer meetings and training classes for Christian workers do this job. Men and women are God's method. God's plan for the discipleship is not something, it's someone. I, I love that. 
God's plan for evangelism is not something but someone. Don't miss this. You are God's plan for making disciples. You are His plan for making disciples. You are God's method to do this. And so here's the deal. I want to make sure that you know that, number one, that you know this is your call, your command, your responsibility, but I also want to make sure that you know how to do it and what that looks like because you are His plan for making disciples uh, in this world today. And, and, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was, uh, it, it's been a week. You ever had one of those where it's just been a week? Uh, it's been a week. I found myself, I'm still replying to text messages. I'm almost up to Wednesday now, uh, replying to messages that I've had this week. It, it's just been busy, and I find myself at the end of every day. Lynette's been out of town. She's called at night, and we always, you know, talk together before we go to bed at night. Uh, when she's out of town, when she's home, we don't hardly talk at all. But uh, I'm kidding. But she'll be like, well, you know, did, did you have a good day? You know, what, what did you get done? And, and I, I find myself lots of days at the end of the day not even being able to say what I, what I got accomplished. All I knew is that I was busy, 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 and I'm exhausted, right? And I can't even, you know, name off the things that I've... Anybody but here but me? I mean, you get to the end of the day, you, your, kids, your kids have all these needs, your boss is calling, he's demanding all these things from you, right? You, you, your spouse is asking you to do things that you didn't have in your schedule or in the plan for that day, and it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, and you get to the end of the day and you're totally exhausted because you've been so busy all day long. And then at the end of the day, you really can't name a single thing that you've done that day that accomplished anything. But you know what? I'm afraid that's how a lot of people are going to be when they get to the end of their life. They're going to be that exact same way. You know, you go through your whole life busy. You come to the end of it tired and worn out, but realizing that you never did the one thing that Jesus said we must do. And I'm not saying that you all need to go to work tomorrow and quit your job. All right? I'm not saying that you need to go quit your job and get in the soul-winning business. I'm saying your job may be soul-winning business, right, where you're at. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm not telling our students to drop out of school and go hand out salvation tracts down at Harps every day. You know, because here's the deal. God's given you your job. He's given you your assignment, whatever it may be in this world, doctor, nurse, carpenter, teacher, homemaker, you know, whatever, retired, Whatever it may be, God has given you your job. He's given you, you your seat in that classroom as a platform for which you use it to make disciples. That's why he's given that to you. And, and listen, that don't have to get really weird. We don't have to be that crazy nut, all right? Um, for example, you're a teacher. You know, God's called you to make disciples, He's put you in a place to where you can do that, but that doesn't mean that you go in the classroom tomorrow and you preach to your students all day long uh, about their need for Jesus Christ because your job is you are being paid to give those kids an education. But you also have an opportunity there to influence some kids that nobody else may ever have. See what I'm saying? So it, it don't have to be radical. It don't have to be crazy. I mean, if you're a doctor here today, Thomas, I mean, he's seeing patients now. I mean, Thomas, when they walk in, I mean, we, here's what you could do. You go, man, you're sick. 
you better get saved, you know. Thomas could be saved. Thomas could have a sign in there where he sees his patience. Turn or burn, right? I mean, you could do that. And then you would have no more patience, huh? I mean, we got some dentists here that are, I mean, yeah, I see that cavity in your tooth, but you got an even nastier cavity in your soul, you know? Y'all, don't, don't, don't be that crazy nut, all right? It's not effective. Would y'all agree that's not effective? I mean, if I go to a dentist and they start acting like that, I'm out. Pull all my teeth. I don't need them, I, you know? Uh. That approach is not going to be effective when it comes to making disciples. I, I'm just saying that here's the deal. Your profession, your business, you know, your place in that classroom naturally naturally puts you in contact with people, right, who are more likely to listen to you than they are me. Agree? I mean, they're more likely to listen to you than they are are to me. So don't miss this. Those of you who don't feel like you've been called by God to be in full-time vocational ministry, you don't, you, God's not called you to be a preacher. God's not called you uh, to be a missionary. Listen, you play a much more strategic role in spreading the gospel than even preachers and missionaries. You are God's plan A. You are it. Right? Most people think by, that by coming to church that you know, you're somehow supporting me and our staff in ministry. It's the other way around. That's not how it works. We're here to support you in your ministry because you're plan A. You're on the front lines every single day. And we're to, here to help you, encourage you, equip you, and support you for your ministry. Not the other way around. We're here for you. All right? You're not here for us. You, you, you're around people every single day who don't know Christ. You're around people every single day who aren't Christians. You're in the greatest position ever to make disciples every single day. Think about it. Who am I around every day? Christians? Our staff? Who most, I think, are Christians. I have doubts about some of them some days. Right? If I'm not with them, I'm with you. Huh? I'm with one of you at the hospital. Y'all love to hang out at hospitals. I don't know why. But y'all do. You know, I'm hanging out with y'all, going to lunch with y'all, doing all the things that, that pastors do. So, so let me ask you, have you ever considered, seriously considered, that God, maybe God gave you your skill, whether it be medicine, whether it be a teacher, you know, whether it be your business or being a student. That God gave you that as a tool, not just for making money, not just a way to get an education, but as a platform for making disciples. A platform to spread the gospel. And then the question is, are you doing that? He's put you in a place and a situation right out there on the front line every single day. Are you doing that? Are you being faithful to what he's called you to do? And so the first thing in how to make disciples is this. You've got to own your assignment. You've got to own your assignment. Probably the biggest thing is just you acknowledging and owning that this is what God has told you to do. 
He's told you to do it. Not your neighbor, not just the pastor, not just the church board, but you. So have you owned your assignment? And I understand that might be overwhelming for you, but when you own it, then you can start asking for God's help to get it done. I want you to think about this. Jesus said what? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right? Do you catch that? He says, if you will follow me, then I will make you fishers of men. Don't miss this. He does the making. All right? He does the making. If you will accept the assignment, then he will make you effective in that assignment that you've been given. One preacher said it like this. It is true that a fisherman may not catch fish. But no true fisherman is okay with that. Right, Ronnie Garrett? We may go fishing and not catch fish, but that don't mean we're okay with it, does it? Same when it comes to making disciples. So once you've owned the assignment, the next thing is you need to understand the strategy. And the strategy, folks, is personal. It's personal. Jesus' ministry and his life was all about being personal about one-on-one, about face-to-face. It was about doing life with others. Coleman made this observation in his book about Jesus. He, He said, whether he was addressing the multitudes that pressed upon him, arguing with the Pharisees who sought to ensnare him, or speaking to some lonely beggar along the road, the disciples were close at hand to observe and listen. Through this manner of personal demonstration, Every aspect of Jesus' personal discipline of life was bequeathed to his disciples. Listen, one living sermon is worth a hundred explanations. Don't you love that? One living sermon is worth a hundred explanations. One living, a personal uh, example of a sermon is better than a hundred sermons that I might preach. Right? That's what he's talking about. So what does that mean? Well, it means for many of you, you just need to open up your life, right, and live with other people. Be in contact with other people. You know, open up and live your life with the people that God has put around you and in your community and, uh, you know, at all these places that you go. It's about building personal relationships. We saw Jesus do it time and time and time again. This face-to-face ministry. Let them see the gospel in you. Because when they begin to see the gospel in you, then doors will open to where you can tell them about the gospel that he's called us to share with them. Right? And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But it's all about relationships. That's how we make disciples is through relationships. Building those and making personal connections. And, And I've said it before, and I don't know who said it first, but... Uh, you know, it's the truth. They're not going to care how much you know until they know that you care. They don't give a rip about what you've got to tell them. They don't give a rip about what you've got to say. They don't don't care about what you know. They're going to care if you care, right? And then they'll be more open to it, right? So open up your life and share it with others. But what do we do? I think this is funny. What do we do as Americans today in the world that we live in today? We get home, we pull into our garage, we shut the door before we even get out of our car, right? We shut the garage door, we go in our house, we snuggle up to and get uh, 
you know, uh, intimate with TV, Netflix, and Facebook, right? I mean, it's our world today. Listen, here's the deal. Making disciples is all about sharing life. It's sharing life. Life is about sharing life. There are so many evangelistic opportunities right outside your shut garage door. Hello? <laughs> there are. And I would say to you this morning, if you're here today and you don't have a front porch, build one. And go sit on it so your neighbors can see you and know what you look like. Because right now, they don't have a clue. All they know is what kind of car you drive. And that when you pull in, your garage door squeaks when you close it. Sit out there on the front porch. Wave at them when they drive by. Speak to them when they walk in front of your house. Invite them over for coffee. Throw an extra burger on the grill when you're grilling burgers for that single mom lives down the street doing the best she can to keep up with those kids that she's raising by herself. Here's a great concept. Invite them to small group. We've got a lot of awesome small groups going on in our church right now. We were sitting down looking at all the small groups and new ones starting all the time, people being faithful to, to that. But how cool would it be if you actually had people in your small group that didn't attend church anywhere? Just, so, just to invite them into a fellowship of people having fun and eating. And oh, by the way, we're going to talk about God, and they're going to see that we're not weird like they thought we were. Well, it depends on which small group they go to, I guess, doesn't it? Just think of the doors that could open for you to make disciples if you just invited some people to your small group that didn't go to church or didn't know Christ as their Savior. Jesus' method for reaching others wasn't just preaching to the masses. See, we think that's the way we're supposed to make disciples and get people saved is we get a mass together and then we preach the good news to them. It's not just using the latest, greatest, newest evangelism program that comes out of uh, Nazarene Publishing House or Lifeway, right? It's getting involved. It's getting involved with people, making connections. With Jesus, there was always a personal touch. I believe that's why so many people were drawn to him, because he was fun to be around. Does anybody say that about you? That you're fun to be around? They want to be around you just because it's fun, and they're attracted to you because of those reasons? Some people run from you when they see you coming. I'm just telling you, I'm one of them. You see me down at the end of Walmart, you make eye contact with me and you're one, uh, on one end of the aisle or the other. If I start making my way to you, that's cool. If you see me dodge and go, you know who you are. All right, you know people are avoiding you like the plague. Be nice. Good grief. People aren't going to come to know Jesus till they see Jesus in you, and Jesus wasn't a grouch. None, none of that in my notes, wife. I'm going to get in trouble for that when I get home. She's like, now they know when you see them at the end of the aisle and don't come talk to them. I'll just tell you the honest truth here this morning. If I see you in Walmart, I'm probably not talking to you anyway because <laughs> I'm a miserable human being when my wife sends me to buy groceries. And you don't want to talk to me or be around me while I'm in Walmart. So, but Man, people were drawn to Jesus because he had a personal touch. He was fun to be around. People liked him. He made connections. He lived life out in the open. He got to know people. He got to know their struggles. He got to know their problems. And yes, it got messy, and the religious people didn't like it. So what? Get out there and live amongst them. Go and make disciples. Understand the strategy for making disciples is it's personal. It's through 
relationships. And I assure you, when you build relationships with people who don't know Christ as their Savior, a door will open. You'll see a crack. And then you can share your story. And then you'll get an opportunity to share your story. And folks, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a story. You have a story to tell. Oh, but Steve, I I don't know what to say, you know. And I knew that it would be about this time in the message that you would start making excuses. (laughs) What do you mean, you know, you don't know what to say? I know most of you that are here this morning and you've got a story. You've got a story to tell. You were so messed up that Jesus had to die for you and your sins. You've got a story, right? A story of not deserving to be loved, but for whatever reason, he loves you anyway. You've got a story. Uh, You've got a story that, you know what, I don't always get it right, but when I don't get it right, my Heavenly Father doesn't kick me to the curb. He loves me anyway. You've got a story. You've got a story. The gospel is not this, folks. Be a good person like me. That's not the gospel. And if anybody ever tries to convince you that that's the gospel, that's not the truth. It's not about look at me, be like me. The gospel is is not that. The gospel is that Jesus saved you when you could not save yourself. That's the good news. Don't tell me that you don't have a story. You have one. And oh, by the way, it requires words for you to tell it. It requires words for you to share your story. Oh, but Steve, talking to people about stuff like that makes me, you know, feel weird. Well, welcome to the club. I'm a preacher and it makes me feel weird, right? Those one-on-one conversations are the most difficult. I heard evangelism described like this. It's two people talking to each other and both feeling very awkward, right? It's both sides. But friends, here's the deal. Is this message not important enough to you to be worth a little awkwardness in your life? I mean, does it mean enough to you that you're willing to face a little awkwardness so that somebody else might know your story and know your Savior and come to know Him as their Savior? But yet, a lot of people today will go, you know what, I'm just not qualified. I'm not, I'm not capable of, of doing this. And I get it because I'll be perfectly honest with you, you're not. You're not capable. I'm not capable But don't miss this. Let's go back to verse 20 that we were looking at earlier, what Jesus said in our text. After giving them this great commission, this command in verse 20, Jesus says this, And surely I am with you always. Surely. Don't you doubt this. He says, I am with you. Yeah, I'm sending you. I'm telling you to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them, but I just want you to know I'm going to be there with you, right? I'm going to be there. Surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. How's that for a promise? Huh? How's that for a promise? If I promised you today, hey, God's called you to go and make disciples, but tomorrow when you go to work, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to send him with you, right? I'm going to send him with you so it won't be so awkward and it'll be a little more comfortable. Would that make you feel a little more confident if you knew Jesus was there? Huh? So you say, I'm not capable. I don't have what it takes. That's an excuse from the devil, right? 
He'll give you 500 excuses not to do what Jesus told you to do. Jesus said, make disciples. Satan will give you every excuse in the world not to do that. Because it's something that Jesus has said that we must do. And so, you say, I don't have what it takes. I'd say, yes, you do. You have Jesus. You have Jesus. And not only is he with you, but when he left, he said, I'm sending you a helper. I'm going to send you someone even greater than I to help you with this call, with this command, with this commission. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And his spirit is inside of you. And it's speaking to you. And it's speaking through you. And so, it's no longer... Folks, it's no longer about your ability. You take that ability card and you throw it out the window because it's not about your ability. You've got all the help you need to do what he's called you to do. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability, right? Are you available to do what he's called you to do? Are you being obedient to what it is that he's called you to do? Just taking a chance, getting to know someone personally, Inviting somebody new to lunch with your lunch crew. And maybe you don't know and you don't know, what, you know how they believe about Jesus. Building a relationship and then opening your mouth and just letting the Holy Spirit speak through you. I was talking to somebody this last week and they were talking about a situation. And they said, you know, I really don't know what I need to say. And I said, listen, that's the Holy Spirit's job. You, sometimes the best thing to do is just not to say anything and just show up and hold a hand. But I'm going to tell you something. If there's something that needs to be said, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and give you the words to say. Now, if you don't feel like they're coming from Him, you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right? But He'll guide you and He'll give you the words. And you'll get through. You'll walk away from that situation. You'll go, holy cow. Where did that come from? Right? And, and so build those relationships. Be willing to tell your story. Because you, every single one of us has an awesome story to tell about what Jesus has done for us. So stop making... This should be the next point. I'm not going to put it on the screen. But I would just say it like this. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is not a class. It's a command, right? It's a lifestyle. It is the basics of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's time that we make disciples. So church, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It's the call on your life, every single one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to close with a time of prayer. And I invite you to come today if you would like to come to the altar and pray about something or a situation going on in your family, in your life. Maybe you'd just like to come this morning and make a commitment to God about something in your life. Maybe it's this very thing. Maybe you know He's put you in a place and in a situation to be the light so that others might see him and you just come and say God I, I need some help with that I need some direction this morning as we close we've got a lot of people in our church that are hurting today
that are facing difficult situations and as the family of God, there's no greater blessing than to be able to carry them to the throne of God. So if you would join me in doing that, you would like to come this morning, come now while we pray before we close. God, we thank you for your presence that's here today. And I thank you for each and every one that's here today. None of us are here by accident today. You wanted to remind every single one of us that as followers of Jesus, you have entrusted us with the gospel. You've entrusted us to make relationships, to get to know people. So that, number one, they would see you in and through us. But number two, that we'd tell them. About you, tell them our story, our testimony, our struggles. Hey, don't look at me. Don't look at us. We don't always get it right. But our Father, He's the one that's perfect. And what He's doing in what He's doing in my life is He's just trying to make me into His image. And so, God, I pray that we'd quit making excuses about doing what you've called us to do and we'd be available to do what you've called us to do because you put every single one of us in a unique situation every single day to do exactly what you've called us to do. We're around people all the time who need to hear and they need to know about you and who you are and what you've done in our lives and what you can do in theirs. So God, I thank you for this reminder today. Sometimes we just need to be reminded this is the task that we've been assigned. We try to make church stuff all about work, 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 work. But really, it's just about trusting you, walking with you, and being faithful. And this is really the work that you have called us to. This is the assignment that we have been given, and it's to make disciples. So, God, I pray that you'll forgive us as a church if we've not put that first. and We've somehow gotten that wrong, got our focus uh, and our priorities mixed up. God, help us to stay focused on the task to make disciples and to win people to your kingdom. But God, it's just not about, it's not about the church. That's the most powerful message today. It's not about what we do in here. It's about when we go. When we go, you said go and make disciples. Leave this building. Leave these walls and go build relationships. Go get to know people. Go make disciples. God, then as we do that and they come to know you, we come along beside them and we help them and we encourage them and we try to then teach them. Your word says teach. Teach them what it means. Teach them these basics, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then they'll go make disciples. And it's a beautiful cycle, beautiful plan. (laughs) But you just need people to accept it be faithful to it, obedient to it. So I thank you for those that are here today that are. Man, I see this lived out beautifully in a lot of lives in this room today, but then again, some of us struggle. Some of us make excuses. Today, thank you for reminding us we don't have an excuse. We've got a story and we've got the help to tell it. Yeah, it may be awkward, but God, it's worth it. It's worth it.
I pray for those in our church today that are hurting. I pray for those that have lost loved ones. I pray for Maria today as she travels to be with her family after a great loss of her sister. You know how dear they were to one another and how special that relationship was. And Maria is a precious child of God, and I just pray that you comfort her today and be with her. Pray with those families that are sitting with loved ones today that are coming to the end of their journey. And it's a difficult time to watch, a difficult time to be a part of. But God, today, give them grace. Give them peace. Give them comfort. Give them what they need in every moment as they go through this difficult time. I pray for those in our church that are sick, for those that have been diagnosed with cancer, for those that are fighting cancer, those who are are recovering from surgeries and recovering from illnesses. God, just be with them. Draw them close. Do a work in their life, not only physically where they would know that you're a healing God, but that you're also a God that cares about them and cares about the condition of their soul and that they would sense your presence and be reminded their only hope is in you. It's not really in doctors. It's not really in medicine. Our hope is in you. Because our lives are all going to come to an end at some point in time. And then what really matters is how we feel about you and what we've done with you in our life. So God, today I pray that as we go out from this place to be the church, that we would take this message of hope, this message of healing, this message of of forgiveness, and God's grace that we would take it to this world that needs those things in their lives right now. And you've put it in our hands to carry it to them, and I pray we'd be faithful and obedient to that, to that call today. Again, I pray for the other churches in our community that are doing the same work, same call, same command, same message. Go and make disciples. Give them what they need. Give them the resources. Give them the wisdom. Give them the people that are faithful. God, we're all doing this together. We're working together to build your kingdom. So help them today. God, again, we love you. We thank you for this reminder today how much you love us and how much you trust us with who you are and your message. We can only do these things today in the powerful name of Jesus and we come before the throne today asking these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And all the church in agreement said, Amen. God bless you guys. I love you all.